On behalf of Copeland Financial Ministries, I would like to welcome you to the workshop series titled Handling Money God's Way. The presenter, Tom Copeland, is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom has helped thousands of people learn and apply God's financial principles, including reducing debt and saving for future needs. Tom is a chartered professional accountant and the founder and president of Copeland Financial Ministries. Tom's financial moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations. Now, here's Tom teaching what the Bible says about handling money God's way. Thank you for watching this video series titled Handling Money God's Way. Unfortunately, most Christians violate biblical financial principles, often unknowingly, and as a result later suffer the consequences. However, once they learn and apply God's word on finances, with God's help, generally they reduce debt, save for future needs, and experience God's peace in the area of finances. This Handling Money God's Way workshop series consists of six sessions, and there are three parts to each session, so in total there's 18 videos. Now let's start with part one of session one, which deals with the topic of stewardship, or more specifically, God's promises and our stewardship responsibilities. As you're going to see over the next six weeks, God's Word has lots to say on finances. Actually, uh, there's about 2,350 references in the Bible to money and material things. And if you look at all the parables that Christ gave us, uh, 16 of them deal with money and material things. And sometimes I ask the question, why? And I think one of the main questions is, not only will we spend a lot of time earning money and working for it, but I think the, one of the main questions is, because God knew that that would be an area of struggle, that that's an area we'd, we would uh, have challenges in, in the area of finances. So there's lots of wisdom there. In my experience, uh, I've had the privilege of uh, meeting with well over 2,000. It's probably closer to 3,000 couples and individuals since uh, 1982, looking at their finances, giving them biblically-based financial advice. And I'd say most of the time, 98% plus, when they are, get behind the eight ball, get into debt, they've usually violated some biblical principles, and uh, often without knowing it. Uh, generally, they, they don't know about it. So I think you're going to see as we go through the next uh, six weeks that God's Word has lots of wisdom in the area of finances. So let's, let's get started here. Here's an overview of what we're going to talk about. And by the way, everything that you see on the screen is in your handout, except for the suggested solutions. And I would say this, at the end of each session, as long as we have your email address, we will send you the suggested solutions. We'll send you the slides with the suggested solutions, which is what I have. So um, let's get started. Uh, here's the contents. Today we're going to talk about stewardship. To, to most Christians, uh, stewardship is just giving a tithe to the Lord. That's actually, that's only a small part of what stewardship's about. And you're going to see that it, really the essence of stewardship is to acknowledge in your heart and mind that God owns absolutely everything and that we own nothing. We've just been trusted with everything that we have on here on this earth for the short time that we're here on this earth. Remember, our time here on earth is very short compared to eternity. Uh, in the first, in session number two, we're going to look at God's wisdom on debt and the importance of savings. This is one area where God's Word is very, very different than what the world thinks. In the world, most people think buy now, pay later, or use other people's money if you're in, in the business or investment field. That's not what God's Word says. The emphasis in God's Word is towards minimal debt uh, to, to save for future needs. Very, very few, few people save for future needs. And as a result, when those needs come up, they're forced into debt. And you'll see in session four later when we talk about budgeting, I'll be giving you some practical tools on how to develop and implement a cash flow plan to save for future needs. 
In session three, I'll give seven suggested steps to get out of debt. I've had the privilege of helping 250 individuals and couples, at least, uh, become totally debt-free. And when I say totally debt-free, I'm saying no mortgage, no credit card debt, no lines of credit, absolutely nothing. And I can tell you, no one's ever come back and say that they... No one's ever come back and said, Tom, you know, I, I missed that car loan payment. Or, you know, Tom, I really missed that mortgage payment. No one's ever said that at all. And we've seen people in an awful lot of debt with uh, 25, 30, even over $100,000 of credit card debt, lines of credit of 50, 100, 150,000, uh, mortgages of several hundred thousand. The numbers doesn't matter. Even in business, we've, uh, we've got one client that had over $10 million worth of debt back in the ni- mid-90s who's now totally debt-free. And it's, it's, such a, it's like 200 pounds came off your back, and no one's ever come back and said they regretted it. So that'll be a focus of session three. Session four, I'll talk about budgeting. Uh, and that's just, uh, don't, don't look, if you want to call it, you can call it a cash flow plan or a, a spending plan, but don't get hung up on the word budgeting. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Because if you don't budget, if you don't track your expenditures, if you don't plan ahead, uh, what'll happen is, inevitably, if you operate based on gut feel, you'll spend a little more than you're making, probably, and you'll end up into debt. It's, and then what happens is the problem compounds, it becomes worse, and then when you do try to pay it down, it becomes much more difficult. We'll deal in the second half of session four with investing. God's Word has a tremendous amount of uh, wisdom on investing as well. It's a big topic. I'm only going to give you an overview on it, uh, but it's, uh, it's something that I think everybody needs to, to know about. Number five, financial deception. A financial deception is a worldly belief that appears to be correct, but it's contrary to God's principles. And uh, you're going to see that there, there's so many financial deceptions that, we, that many Christians believe, and of course the non-Christians believe as well, but they don't have the access to God's truth. You're going to see there's so many that are contrary to God's Word, and it's God's Word that has the truth. And as Jesus said to His disciples, that if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And by the way, financial freedom, uh, sometimes when I speak at different groups, people like to use the term financial freedom. Financial freedom is not having about lots and lots of money and material things. Financial freedom is really about doing God's will with the money that he's entrusted to you and experience God's peace in the area of finances. Very few people have peace in the area of finances, very few. Even we, we have a number of wealthy clients in our practice, and I can tell you it doesn't matter how much you have, a couple of million, 10 million, 20 million, if you don't have that close relationship with Christ, you won't experience God's peace. In session number six, it talks about developing godly attitudes towards money. Uh, you'll see in session number six a comparison of godly attitudes versus worldly attitudes. Often Christians fall into the worldly category unknowingly or inadvertently, and it's many times a worldly attitude that's contrary to God's Word is what can get us into trouble. For example, covetousness, envy, selfishness, pride, or greed are all worldly attitudes. Well, a godly attitude that'll deal with so many of these would be something like contentment. And as you know, when we look at the media today, do we ever hear a, an advertisement that, that tries to encourage you to be content with what you have? Of course, it's the exact opposite. They're trying to make you feel discontent with what you have so that you, in turn, will go on and, and buy their, their product on the basis that if you get their product, you're going to be happier. And if you don't have the money, they usually find a way for you to finance it. So that's a quick overview. Each session will begin with an explanation of several biblical principles, followed by one or two real-life case studies so you can obtain a better understanding of the biblical principles. It's interesting, one fellow that went through the uh, series that I did in In Touch, he said, you know, what the, what the case studies do, these are all real-life case studies, two things. One, they put meat on the bones is the way he put it. And I think of, I've had so many couples and individuals tell me that they can see themselves in the case study. 
Because you're going to see these are not case studies that I've seen once or twice. They're case studies that I've seen three, four, five hundred, in, in some cases, 1,500 times. They're very, very common scenarios. And don't be surprised if your financial situation is similar to some of these. About two hours of preparation time and memorization of appropriate scriptures will be required. And I would really encourage you to do the, uh, to do the preparation, uh, to, do, to, to uh, do the homework and also memorize the scriptures. If you memorize God's word, if you get it into your mind, you'll start thinking the way God thinks. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you transform your mind? The answer comes in Joshua 1, 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night and be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And if you actually look at the back of your, um, of your package, there's a series of memory verses there if you look at the back. And I would encourage you to either tear that out or possibly photocopy it and carry it with you. If, if you memorize all those scriptures and meditate on them and ask God to speak to you, that'll be a phenomenal start if you do that over the next six, uh, six weeks. Uh, it'll, you'll find you'll, when you start getting faced with financial decisions, you'll start thinking the way God thinks about money, and that's the key. We're bombarded with so much around us that's contrary to God's word. It's no wonder that Christians uh, are, are not doing things God's way. Okay, now session number one, stewardship. I'm going to start on that. The key biblical principle here is that we are stewards or managers of the money that God has entrusted to us. God is the owner. I'm going to repeat that. It's so important. We are stewards or managers of the money that God has entrusted to us. God is the owner. God doesn't just own the first ten. He owns everything, 100%. We've been given that trust while we're here on earth. As Paul said, we brought nothing into this world. We shall take nothing out of it. So what do these verses say about the ownership of your money and material things? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Psalms 24, 1 and 2. Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. So what do they say about the ownership of money and material things? And a few other verses. In light of the fact that most people were farmers at that time, how does Psalms 57 to 12 apply today? Hear, O my people, I am God, your God. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. So what, is, what does that say to you, that verse? It's all God's. It's all God's. What about the real estate? Who owns the real estate? The land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you are but aliens in my tenants. Now you may say, hey, wait a second, that's registered in my name. Yeah, it's only registered in your name for one thing as long as you're here on earth. You're not going to take it with you, that's for sure. And you're just a manager, just while you're down here on earth, and that's it. Remember, our time on earth is a twinkling of an eye compared to eternity. It's relatively short. But our stewardship of what we do with what God's entrusted to us is really, really key. Who owns the money? And remember at this time uh, the verse was, that this verse was written, silver and gold were used as money. So what did God say? The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. So the money's his, the real estate's his. If you're in, a, in business, your business is owned by, it's fundamentally God's. A lot of business people don't think that way, but it's absolutely true. You're just a manager or a steward of what God's entrusted to you, absolutely everything. You may say to yourself, wait a second, I've worked hard and used my skills and abilities to earn a good income. Who gave you your skills and abilities? In Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18, I love this verse, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So who gave you your skills and ability? Pretty straightforward, God. 
Sometimes when we're successful, pride can seep in and we can suddenly start to think, hey, we did it on our own or we deserve this and that kind of stuff. But it's God that gives you your very natural abilities. And we have a responsibility to use those. As Christ said in Luke 12, 48, from everyone who's been given much, much will be expected. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even much more will be asked. So is there anything that God does not own? God said to Job, who has a claim against me that I must pay everything Everything under heaven belongs to me. Remember, he created it all in Genesis chapter 1, and, and it's, it's all his, and he's entrusted it to us while we're here on earth. This is my definition of Christian stewardship or, or biblical stewardship, as I sometimes refer to. You can see it's a lot more than just giving to God's work. That's, that's just actually part of it. Acknowledging in mind and heart that God owns absolutely everything, he owns your money, your home, your skills, and even your life. And you remember in 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says you're bought with a price and you're not your own. And number two, not only do we need to acknowledge in our heart and mind that God owns everything, but number two, use all assets in accordance with God's principles and God's will. And the, one of the keys I find is if you don't know what God's principles are, you're, you're not going to know how to manage money and material things. You'll make some mistakes. You'll be misled by the master of deceit, Satan, because one of his, his great deceives... Deceits, I think, in this world is in the area of finances, and you're going to see some of them as we go through it over the next six weeks. This is what I would suggest. In order to fulfill our stewardship financial responsibilities, I would say it requires the following, and I'm going to give three, three points. First of all, on a regular basis, spend quality time in prayer with the Lord, asking God for His wisdom and His direction in managing the money that God has entrusted to you. And of course, in James 1, 5, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. That point there, there is no substitute for spending quality time with the Lord. So often what will happen, I'll see a, a couple or an individual have a need. Maybe their car's starting to wear out. So what do they, they think, well, I've got to get a new car. Well, the dealership's got 0% financing or some special deals. And, and often Christians don't take time to pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Father, what is, what is your will? Do you want us to buy a new car or a used car? Um, you know, should we borrow some money? Shouldn't we borrow some money? And, and so often if Christians will wait upon the Lord, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him, I find so often God will do something often that's beyond your expectation. I think of one couple, uh, they were, had a modest income. They worked full-time in Christian ministry. They had, uh, not long before, paid off the, the, the loan on their car, and their car started a couple years later, giving them some problems, and, and they, they were asking me a few things. I said, why don't you pray? Don't, don't just go out, all because someone will lend you the money to buy it, and, and don't do that. Pray. Ask God to direct you. Ask God to step in. You know, with that couple, and I've seen it with so many couples, someone from their church gave them a van that was in really good shape at no cost. I can think of other couples, when they stop and they pray, God, God does something out of the ordinary, uh, very, very much out of the ordinary. But if we don't stop and pray and wait patiently for God and I'll even give Him an opportunity to provide, then the odds are it's not going to happen. If, we, if you just go out and buy something without thinking about it and praying about it and, and asking the Lord for His specific direction, then you'll miss out very often on God's blessings. Number two, study and meditate on God's Word with regard to finances regularly. And this, this is a fantastic verse, Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosper and successful. Study God's Word. There's lots of wisdom there uh, in God's Word. Don't, and, and ask God to highlight one of the Scriptures as you go through His Word, and especially in your quiet time. Often God, through His Spirit, can really highlight a Scripture and give you specific direction. 
I mean, Jesus said in John 10, 27, it's not there. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. God can, can give us direction. He can speak to our heart and mind if we pray and we wait for his, his wisdom and his direction. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I mean, God's word is so powerful. But I find the area of finances, most Christians have very limited knowledge. So they inadvertently violate it. Number three, in fulfilling our stewardship responsibilities, trust God to meet your needs and direct you according to his will. You need to pray and trust God to direct you. Believe that he is going to direct you one way or the other. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I, I share the odd experience of Kathy and I. We happen to live in the country. In uh, March of 2009, we had a significant water leak in our basement. And I remember, I, I, you know, it was quite significant. So we went around and, uh, and uh, checked, and, and it was going to cost about seven or $8,000 to get a, a drain put in around the basement and, and as well as a sump pump. And I just said, Lord, if you want us to spend your money this way, that's fine. I just started praying. And as I spent time in prayer, my daily quiet time with the Lord, the one verse that kept coming out was the proverb that talks about a wise man seeking many counselors, Proverbs 15:22. a wise man seeking many counselors. So I thought, well, okay, I'll seek some counsel. So I, I know nothing about construction. I'm an accountant. So basically, I then started getting some other construction guys in and asking them a few things. And one guy said, you know, like we're in the country, so we're not hooked to the sewer. It's, it's, a, it's a tile, a weeping tile. So he said, you know, your weeping tile might be clogged. Why don't you get somebody in and see if it's clogged? And I thought, well, that's worth a try. Bottom line, $275 solved the problem instead of $8,000. And I praise the King of King and the Lord of Lords because I had no idea. It's now been a year and a half, and as you know, last summer we had lots of rain. And, and it worked. It worked. It was basically clogged, and that was it. And I, I see so many situations, not only in our own life, but with people that we help. When you pray and you start committing to do things God's way, often God will provide a better option, a better alternative than what you have in mind. He has wisdom and knowledge that we don't have. But if we don't pray and spend that time, it's not going to happen. Now here's, so just a quick summary on those three points. Uh, fulfilling our stewardship responsibilities requires regularly spending time in prayer with the Lord, asking God for His wisdom and direction. The second point was study and meditate on God's Word regularly with respect to finances. And the third point was to trust God to meet your needs. Now, as you do that, here's God's promises. There's two promises. God has promised that He will meet our needs if we put Him first. And the second one is God has promised to direct us in everything, including our personal and financial decisions, according to His will. So God has promised to meet our needs. Matthew 6, 31 to 33, powerful verses. Jesus said, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Those are needs. Those are needs. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. And part of seeking him is seeking his wisdom and his direction, asking God to speak to your heart, speak to your mind, speak through his words, speak through... Um, his spirit, give you a peace or lack of peace. There's so many ways that God can direct us in our personal relationship with him. And so let me stop here for a minute. I want to ask a question. What is a need? And then I'm going to ask a question. What's a want and desire? God's promised to meet our needs, but he has not promised to meet our wants and desires. Shelter. Shelter, yep. Any other needs? Basic needs on food, shelter, clothing, those yep. things that sustain us from day to day. Yep. Now what about... Uh, what about wants and desires? What's a want and desire? Something you really don't need, but you'd like to have it. A brand new car. 
Absolutely. You may need a car. Maybe a used car will do. A mansion. A mansion, okay. Yeah, what they call monster homes, right? <laughs> it, it's amazing. I grew up in this country, and it's amazing in the 50 years what mindset is is need. We had six kids in a 900-square-foot home. And uh, it's just amazing. Now, of course, that would never do. Two kids, you've got to have a 3,000-square-foot home. A trip to Hawaii. True. Different vacation. Okay, so I think you're getting the idea. Some things are... And, and the point here in this Scripture is God's promise to meet our needs, not necessarily our wants and desires. Nowhere in Scripture does God say He's going to meet our wants and desires. And often Christians are going into debt or buying things they really don't need. They're just wants and desires. That doesn't mean you, you never should. You just got to make sure that it's God's will, that that's what God wants you to do. You got to pray about it. Got to make sure He gives you peace. And make, give Him a chance to provide in, in an unusual way. Often He does. Number two, one other of God's promises, He's promised to direct us in everything, including our personal financial decisions according to His will. Psalms 32.8, fantastic verse where God said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. And this is where that, the, your personal relationship with Christ, because one thing you're going to find that, that we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you a lot of principles. And so often, you, you, a Christian can stay within God's guidelines or principles, but you need to know what God's specific will is for your life. And it, you only get that through your personal relationship with Christ. You need to pray and ask God to speak to you, to your heart, your mind, guide and direct you. And I recommend uh, journaling, and I'll talk more about that later. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path, Psalms 119.105. So here's the conclusion of this part. If we acknowledge that God owns everything, and if we faithfully use money and material things in accordance with God's Word and God's will, then we can completely trust God to meet our needs and direct our financial decisions. And I'll, we'll get into more of this later. You know, it's interesting. If you look all through Scripture, when God ever met a need, I can't find any place where He directed anyone to borrow money. I can't find it. I've searched and searched, and I can't find it doesn't mean it's a sin to borrow. It's a, the Scripture says it's a sin to borrow, not repay. But so often Christians are buying things they really don't need uh, with money they don't have. And you heard the saying, to impress people they don't like, right? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's contrary to God's Word. So here's uh, one thing I'm a strong believer in, is, is getting God's Word into your mind, into the way you, way you think. And I know this is the first session. Some may have had a chance to look at it. Some may not. But certainly going forward, I really encourage you to, to memorize the suggested scriptures. Here's the two memory verses. You're a smart group. Let's see if you can do them. I'm going to go through them once, and then I'll flip back one. Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. Riches and honor come from you alone, and you are the ruler of all mankind. Your hand controls power and might, and it is at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. So you want to give that a try? I know it's a long one. Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. Riches and honor come from you alone, and you are the ruler of all mankind. Your hand controls power and might, and it is at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. That's, that's a real great verse to meditate on. It just, just says so much. Now, the other one, I'm sure you can get this. Haggai 2.8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. So let's do that one together. The silver is mine, Lord is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Great. I didn't even have to say anything there. That's super. Smart group here. That's tremendous. 
I just had a question about the, uh, the needs versus wants thing. Mm. Uh, technically, I said a, a new car, but do we need a car at all? Is that really a need or is that a want? And where do you draw the line between needs and wants? That's, that's a good question. Again, there's, there's no substitute for asking the Lord that question. I mean, a lot of people in our city are going to need a car of some kind to get to work or go wherever, but they may not need two cars. And there may be some, I know some people, especially that live downtown where transit is so readily available, and, and they actually don't even have a car. They just rent it once in a while when they need it. So it's going to vary from family to family. But that's, that's a good one. Certainly, one area when we sit down with couples and look at trying to balance their budget, uh, one area where you can save a lot of money is cutting back from two cars to one car. That can usually save several thousand dollars a year. And so you've got to pray and really ask yourself, do you need it? And often, often the t- human tendency is to live a lifestyle that's really higher than what we need. Learning to acknowledge in our heart and mind that God owns absolutely everything and that we are stewards or managers of the money and material things that God has entrusted to is a process. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. However, when a Christian prayerfully studies God's word on finances and starts to manage money God's way, often within about six months there are some very significant changes. And within a few years, typically all of the credit cards, car loans, etc. are paid off. And for many, within 10 years, they are totally debt-free. That means no mortgage payment. I'd encourage you to prayerfully consider the following 10 suggested ideas in order to help you think like a steward rather than an owner. 1. Meditate on appropriate scriptures that emphasize the ownership of God's money and material things. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Haggai 2.8 says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And of course, at that time, silver and gold was used as money, so God's saying the money is His. Number two, praise and thank God often for what you do have, and do not complain about what you do not have. Psalms 118 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Number three, before making any important financial decision, spend quality time with the Lord in prayer, and allow God to speak to you through His Spirit and through His Word. Remember, God has promised to direct us. Psalms 25:12 says, Who then is the man who fears the Lord? God will instruct him in the way chosen for him. Number four, always be prepared to follow Jesus' example in Luke 22:42, where Christ said, Not my will, but yours be done. In other words, as you pray and discern God's will, be sure to do God's will with respect to managing money, not your will. Number five, consider practicing using possessive adjectives such as God's home, God's car, God's money. Uh, in other words, don't call it your home and your money. Keep thinking about it as being God's money. Number six, deal with any selfishness or covetousness by giving generously to God's work. You cannot be both selfish and generous at the same time. Number seven, delight yourself in the Lord daily so that God can place his desires in your heart. That's uh, referred to in Psalms 37.4. When you focus on God, your heart will see things and desire things of eternal value and not material things. In Colossians 3.1, Paul said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Number eight, develop and maintain a close personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray and read his word every day, especially on finances. God's word is powerful. Number nine, learn to be content, as Paul talked about in Philippians chapter four. Learn to be content with God's provision by living within the income that God has provided to you. As John the Baptist said, be content with your pay. Number 10, and even if finances is not your area of expertise, continually persevere, learning God's word on finances, God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In summary, 
Acknowledge in your heart and mind that God owns absolutely everything, and then manage the money that God has entrusted to you according to God's principles and God's specific will. If you would like to learn more about handling money God's way, be sure to check out the numerous resources available at copelandfinancialministries.org. Again, copelandfinancialministries.org.